0: the green tea. <laughs> let me. In. And now, my friend, the first rule of Italian driving. What's behind me is not important. Here comes Cooper on that outside move again, Cooper, outside, can he pull the move, Matt Cooper with a brilliant move on the outside, never seen that done through Mosses, and look at the run that Matt Cooper has. Hey, 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 everybody, and good afternoon. Today is Thursday. It is the 17th day of August. The year is 2006, and it is with pleasure that I welcome you back to Rumble Strip Radio, where we put you on pole position for news, commentary, and opinion in the world of motorcycle road racing. As always, I am your host, the Duke. It's good to have you back. It's good to be back. So, uh, yeah, no show last week, and a little late getting the show out this week, and all I got to tell you is, my life got in the way, but yay, that's no uh, that's no shock to anyone who knows me, right? So, um, yeah, we should have really got a show out last week, there was a lot of stuff to go over, and a lot of stuff coming up this week, a lot of news, so um, we'll, we'll plug right into it, uh, probably about the usual length show, which uh, I think people have come to expect, and um a couple gifts in here so uh let's get the gifts out of the way first actually before we get the gifts out of the way let's get the contact info in- and <laughs> contact info out of the way so the uh the website com. uh you can find us on the iTunes music store and pretty much everywhere else you find podcasts um the if you want to send feedback, please do. Actually, you haven't had too much feedback the last couple of weeks, but I guess if I didn't put out a show last week, there's very little reason to uh, to send it. Um, so the email is rumblestripperradio at gmail.com, and you can also leave uh, comments and feedback on the, uh, on the website. There is a comment section after you uh, go down through the show notes. Um, unfortunately I haven't been getting notifications when people are leaving me comments and I don't always go look at the website. So, um, if you want to leave them there, that's great. I actually would encourage you to do that. And I just need to get better at looking to see uh, who's leaving comments over there. Um, let's see. How else can you get a hold of contact us? well? We're, uh, we're getting a phone number here pretty soon where you'd be able to call and leave voicemail as well too. That's probably a couple weeks off. So, uh, let's see. Oh yeah. I got to, I forgot to pull that site up. So we'll actually, we'll go to that here in a second because there's uh the uh the t v ratings came in um for the u s g p and I, I definitely want to touch on that, but before I do that, I said we were going to give you a gift, and we are so I don't know how he's doing this contest, whether it was the first one to get the right answer or he's taken a pool of uh, of all the people who send in the right answer, and then he's drawing from it but uh, Dean Adams is running a contest over at soup, and there's a picture from the nineteen ninety one Uh, USGP at Laguna and there's a picture there and you're supposed to identify everyone there to win a case of like Honda cleaning stuff. And if you get the teams or the bikes in there as well, um, you get some stickers and some, um, some t-shirts. So I'm assuming that even though I sent it in, I I think I sent in my reply, oh, about 20 minutes after it was posted that I have zero chance of winning. So I'm going to spread, uh, spread the love so here we go. Uh, here are the bikes in the picture. Uh, most of you probably figured that there's one or two there that might have tossed you for uh, for a ride. But here we go. Uh, Wayne Rainey on the Marlboro Roberts uh, Yamaha. That was the number one bike. The number thirty four, of course, is uh, Kevin Schwantz on the Lucky Strike Suzuki. Uh, number twenty seven is uh, Didier D. Rodriguez uh, for on the also on the Lucky Strike Suzuki. Number seven was God on the Kajiva. That's also known as Eddie Lawson. Nineteen was the infamous. John K. on the uh, John Kaczynski on the Marlboro Roberts Yamaha. Three, uh, McDuan on the Rothmans Honda. And number eight is uh, Jean Philippe Rugia, the man who uh, made el- elbow dragging an art on the uh, uh, Sonado Yamaha. Number six is Juan Garriga on a Ducados Yamaha. And then the man you can only see the helmet of uh, behind McDuan, that is uh, DC10, Doug Chandler. On uh, on a Yamaha, and I believe it was Budweiser or Bud, as it is in Europe, was sponsoring him there. So, um, hopefully, you can uh, get maybe you can enter and get something out of it. And I'm I'm pretty positive that uh, I won't be able to win for whatever reason, but there you go. Uh, send off the email. Uh, you can find it on the site and the I forgot. I think it's SuperbikePlanet at Gmail com is is the thing to um, is the thing to send it to. So. Um, speaking of soup sorry I got to close something out before it goes wacky on me here and let's go take a look at uh, the TV ratings because that's actually one of the things I wanted to talk about in detail today oops wrong thing there we go yeah 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 yeah, yeah. helps fit the right key combination Uh, what the hell is this ah yeah the girlfriend opened stuff and had it hiding anyways uh, let's see yeah, I know, I'm boring you to death with all this stuff, right? Yeah, there you go, no show prep. Well, actually, pretty much show preps, but there it is. Um, Got to scroll down here. There we go, USGP uh, TV ratings revealed. So, World Superbike for the weekend um, was a point one two or 82,000 households. Uh, this is all from speed, or these are all the speed ratings, I should say. AMA Superbike's point one three or 85,000 um, households. MotoGP uh, 0.2, which is 137 uh, households, uh, although it peaked at 0.29 and 195,000 households in the second hour. Uh, the uh, AFM Formula Extreme... A- AFM. We're going to talk about the FM in a minute. AMA Formula Extreme uh, also drew a, 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 a two-tenths rating with 137,000 people. Uh, let's see. The highest rated program on speed for the day was uh net car race day which averaged a point seven two or four hundred and eighty three thousand um households. Now to say that's pathetic is is <laughs> where do we begin? I guess the only highlight is that uh when it was rebroadcast on ABC um that there were one point one million people um who watched so that's somewhat encouraging, but it's most one of those things probably we're just flipping through. Now, Nielsen ratings are kind of funky because there's, I think, I don't know what the total detail is, but there's less than 3,000 Nielsen households that are out there, uh, if memory serves. And then they extrapolate off of those 3,000 people um, for the rest of, of the country, which sounds crazy, but statistically works. Um, it was one of those things, I had to take statistics twice in college, um, the first time I totally didn't get it, and the second time I guess I had a better professor, and it totally clicked, and all of a sudden I understood so much more. So while on while on the surface it doesn't sound like it makes sense, it it does make sense, and how representative that is, well, they're pretty careful on how they do that stuff. But anyways, um, yeah, so eighty two, eighty five thousand households for World Superbike AMA, hundred, okay, we'll call it one hundred ninety five thousand, call it one hundred fifty thousand because we'll split the difference for MotoGP. Well, if you want to know why we have no programming on, on uh, Speed Channel, why everything's tape delayed, while everything gets cut, and why there are 84,000 net car shows on the Speed Channel, well, there you go. For race day, which I'm not sure if that's a pre-race or a post-race show, um, you're drawing half a million people. That's, that's pretty sad. I mean, that pretty much is that show combined um, did more than... All the motorcycle racing that day so um, yeah we're a pretty vocal group but we're not a big group so I guess we can bitch and moan and complain but until we get the people showing up to uh, to watch then um, then we're gonna get where we're gonna get so um, the one of the things I want to talk about not this show because we got so much to talk about is um, is what I think is a pretty good it's a vision of what I see as the, about the only way to make this stuff grow and become popular and much more mainstream. But um, I think we're going save to that, save that for a show or two down the road. And I'd like to get a couple people in on, on that discussion as well. So um, we'll see what happens. Uh, so I'll quit going because uh, I can't figure out what I want to say. Actually, I know what I want to say. I'm just pausing in between while I'm catching my breath on some stuff. So, uh, and there I go again. That will uh, that takes care of the uh, the US last thing from the USGP. Also, uh, as we're going through some of the news and talk about stuff here, uh, I want to give props to uh, a very old friend of uh, of the strip, uh, old uh, Rumblestrip.net friend and a guy I've known for a long time. Although I actually haven't talked to him in a couple of years, uh, James Randolph. So uh, James won the Formula Pacific race uh, for the AFM series at Sears Point last weekend. So uh props to James. He was he's a really really good guy, very funny. Uh ran the AMA series for a little bit as a privateer and he came like this close to getting a couple good rides and it just never worked out and um seemed like just about the time he was about to break through. He was he was pushing so hard to get it. He'd crash or have some other problems and it just never worked out for him, which is which is too bad because he's a pretty pretty good racer, uh very fast racer. And um yeah, he's a good guy. He's a friend of the he's a friend of ours, so There you go. So props to James. And if any, if James is listening, good to hear, or uh, drop us a line. And uh, anyone listening who knows James out in, uh, oh, he's in the South Bay Area. Um, His family owns, I think, a pretty big car body shop down there. And uh, last I heard, he was working in the family business. So um, what's the hell's the name of that town down that way? Oh, I'll think of it in a minute. So Anyways. So props to James. And, uh, oh, yes, we're still looking for someone who's got some uh, CSS skills or can help with uh, a little bit of a tweak of the site um, using the uh, the Libsyn tab- templates. So anyone out there who's uh, good with that stuff, drops a line, let me know. Um, see if we can work something out with you. And because uh, I would like to uh, to spiff it up and there's a lot of stuff on there I like to get. But my coding skills are so bad that I would probably destroy the site and no one would be able to get their feeds if I tried to put up there when I wanted to put up there. Um, OK, another big uh, piece of the news is the I'm sorry, I really need to put my notes in a better spot so I can actually read without sounding like I have no clue what I'm doing here. Or at least put the microphone in a better spot. Uh the AF, the AMA has come out with some new form and extreme rules and actually did get some feedback on this um from what from our buddy Johnny Hall over at uh Bike Attack uh blog dot blogspot.com and there was one thing that he brought up that was interesting in, in the rules and I guess it's one of those things that's like, well, it, it's maybe that's the um the nuclear option type of rule and that's the weight issue with it but Formula Extreme could be um, could be a pretty good series next year. They've opened it up to, I guess I should look at the official uh, the official rules here. Easy enough to pull up uh, since uh, posted over on John's World. Let me, uh, let me actually get that up so we uh, so we are talking with the right things here. If I can see it quickly, I not seeing it quickly. But um, yeah, let's try Dean Sykes. I think he ran something on it the other day. There was originally a typo uh, that they fixed. Excuse me. You know, i got water because usually I drink soda, and it makes me do that all the time, so I, my apologies for that. But I guess water's doing it too. Uh, here we go. I don't know if he's going to have the whole rules in here. No, he just did the uh, the tweak of it. But basically, they're uh, they're going to allow um uh up to like 675 for triples they're going to allow um air-cooled V-twin um two-valve desmos um four-valve pushrod twins up to 1100 cc's um and four-valve desmos um uh, up to 850 which makes the 750 or 749 legal and it's also legal to punch that thing out to about eight fifty. To to eight fifty, and actually, um, Ulrich did post that over on the Weiro board that uh, that that was going to be legal. And since he's involved in this rules committee, I'm gonna take his word as gospel. So, um, so form extreme could be very very cool next year because we're I, I think we're gonna see a ton of new bikes in there, which I think is good because just a bunch of inline fours running around not cool. So. Uh, there are some people who have been developing the Triumph in the Club Race Series, um, who are having some very good results uh, from from posts I see and, and news I hear. Um, so that could be good, as could be very good, especially if, if Triumph even comes in with a little bit of backdoor support for one of these people, or if a uh, if a, a decent team makes the move and the switch over to Triumph. I think that would be very cool because every every report you see from anyone who's ridden the bike, tested the bike, all the write ups on it. That it's just an absolutely tremendous bike, and um, I'd love to get one in for a test ride, but unfortunately, people I used to know um, from Triumph are are long gone from Triumph. So, Actually, there were some people around uh, Little Baghdad here that I used to ride with, and a couple of the guys actually ended up going to work for Triumph. One of them actually works for Ducati now, and I don't know where the other one went to, but uh, anyways... So uh, anyone from Triumph listening in, or anyone in Fluence Drive, yeah, we'd like to have a 675 in for testing, and uh, maybe even do some track days with it, just to uh, just to get it in. So the uh, so that'll be cool. The the pushrod four valve twin is aimed at Moto Guzzi and BMW, I believe, uh, for their boxer for the boxer twins there, and um, uh, Moto Guzzi is doing. Um, Doing something where they might even be in Superbike next year, uh, World Superbike. Although that I, that all that's all very dependent on the twelve hundred cc rule coming through with that. And of course, then thirteen uh, forty cc air cooled two valve push rod is is for the Bules. and we know how well those have been doing. But hey, at least it's again, as I said last time, um, when we're talking about the the possibilities of of Ducati leaving the AMA series. That the auditory component, the auditory component is is some way very very important um, to a racing series. When it, when everything kind of looks the same and then sounds the same, you know, there's color difference, but that's it. Yeah, it, it gets old real fast. But if they're going to look the same but sound different, that makes that makes it very cool. Um, by the way, did anyone else find it funny how after, um. Uh, who ran the thing and the show posted about Ducati pulling out of the AMA series that all of a sudden everyone else started covering it. I don't know. Funny. Funny how that works, isn't it? And I actually sat on the story for like a week um, from when I had seen it because I forgot to put it in my show notes to talk about it. I don't know how I forgot to talk about it, but I did. So I actually sat on it for a week. And then a couple of days after the show posted, everyone else starts talking about it. So who knows? Maybe the right people are listening to the show and it gets out. So who knows? just uh just find that funny and whatever and i guess we're going to toot our own horn for that uh what else the uh the tzr 250 i believe is um my my 86 tzr 250 is going to go up for sale here in the next few weeks i believe um i just need to get the uh the title thing sorted out with the state of michigan uh it was approved and then they wanted some proof of something else so i got to get that and i just been waiting to get the paperwork <coughs> excuse me at that and <laughs> you have to go to the Secretary of State's office here, and all the ones around my house it's like a three hour wait in line, so uh basically, I just need to make the trip out to one of the smaller towns where you know it's like a three person office, but you' only have to wait in line for half an hour so i just gotta i gotta get that done but so, if anyone is interested in a very rare bike it's a it's an eighty six t z r two fifty it's a one k t model excuse me um 20, about 22,000 kilometers on it. It's all stock. It's in reasonably good shape. Um, it's going to be up for sale here if you're interested uh, or even remotely interested in it. Uh, I can I can send you the link for pictures. Actually, I'll put the link for the pictures up in the show notes. And you can drop a line to rumblestripradio at gmail.com and we can figure out if you are interested. And as to what I'm getting, I'm not selling it to uh, to not have a bike. Actually, my plans are to buy an Aprilia after that so unless i get some smoking deal on something else but i am about 90 percent sure my next bike is going to be an aprilia falco unless i can get just a swinging deal on a Millie or something else that really tickles my fancy um, if i found a laverda uh, the 750 formula s i think i'd be hard tempted not to take that bike not to go after that bike um, but i think the falco is the uh, is the next bike um, that'll be coming into the into the garage here the 250 has been fun it's a lot of fun it was a project to put it together i like it a lot um it's just that there's it's a bike that's meant for someplace that's not michigan because that bike is an absolute riot when you actually get to ride it in some in something that has some twists and turns problem is around here there's just there isn't any and then to uh to be droning along the highway on a thing it's kind of a waste um if i'm gonna have to do that i'd uh, like a bike that had a little more torque to it. The bike's the bike's good, it just just not quite enough grunt for it. Uh or or what I want. Other than that, pull a wheelie. It does a does a nice wheelie, but there you are. So anyways, uh at with gmail.com if you or anyone else you know is interested in an eighty six TZR two fifty and once again um link for the pictures will be up in the show notes. Let's see any other news that I have in here. Um I guess we can well we'll talk a little bit more about this uh, when we talk about MotoGP coming uh, back in action at Brno, um, the Hoff is uh, is going to be riding for Jeebers. as Jeebers, uh he had surgery on his collarbone again um, right right after Laguna, and I guess it's still not healed up the way it needs to be, and they don't want him racing. So uh, um, the Hoff is back on uh, on the factory Ducati, and Ivan Silva will be back for the the Dantin team. Which oh, good for good for Silva, and and good for the Hoff to be on uh, on some good tires for the weekend. I'm just going through uh, looking at my other notes. I didn't exactly write these in the uh, in the most coherent uh, round, but let's um, let's do a quick recap of what happened a couple weeks ago. I mean, it's been a couple weeks, and we're not going to really break down everything um, super detailed. Um, Mid Ohio, you know, as always. Well, well, well attended round. Uh, apparently, the track surface had uh, some pretty, you know, pretty good reviews. Few, few things, but compared to what it was, um, much better. Although there were a few people who had some interesting things that it made it less technical because you had to be less precise. Um, yeah, okay, but overall better surface. Uh, I did notice that they did move the wall back at the at the spot I was uh, talking about. I want to call it hurry downs, but I'm not. I'm sure that's the wrong. Thing for it, but everyone knows what I'm talking about. Where you really saw it was like um, after the S's, you come over the right, or you, there's like that hill to the right where you saw Atard about, <laughs> about go for a for a moonshot with a high side and saved it. And I mean, major props to Ben on that save. That was that was huge. Actually, a couple of people had some really good saves at that same spot, but then. But uh, as you come down and then and then make the that uh, that right hander the the wall used to literally abut next to the track and now there's a little bit of space. There's still nowhere near enough room there, but uh, at least it's it's something of an improvement overall. Track looked uh, in good shape. Uh, huge crowd as always there uh, again. And you actually, you did see this mentioned in uh, in a lot of the press releases and stuff like that. But middle the the motorcycle race at Mid Ohio. <clears throat> excuse me is their largest attended event uh, uh for the for the track and it was good to see that it looked like probably a good on sunday i bet you there were at least 60,000 people there uh 55 to 60,000 people there i would not doubt that because uh um the the hill in the s's was packed the the grandstand kind of uh the reserve grandstand and kind of across was packed um it just looked everywhere that they were just stacked and stacked with people. So that was good. That's always a good race, and unfortunately I couldn't make it. Uh, I did have to do some announcing on Friday and Saturday and may have landed myself another announcing gig because of it, but we'll see. I'm still waiting to hear back on that. So it may or may not have been worth it. Well, it was worth it because I needed the cash. So there you are. Um, you know, literally two people pretty much dominated the the event. Uh, ben Spees, of course, on the superbikes. And uh Jamie Hacking in um, in Superstock and Super Sport just, just basically kicked everyone's ass. Now the the superstock race, right? Was the superstock race was the end it was actually pretty tight. Um maybe he didn't kick everyone's ass, but uh yeah, it was a super stock race. But still was um pretty dominating effort by by Jamie Hacking and just looks to be in that in one of those zones and and he doesn't have too many more weekends to keep it where, um, where he's going to be flying the number one plate, uh, on two bikes for next year. Now, one of the things that I always forgot is because hacking has kind of this kind of youthful thing to him that you forget how old this guy is. Jamie hacking is almost the same age as I am. He's like 35 years old. Uh, he actually has been racing in the AMA for almost 10 years. Um, which is hard to think. I mean it's that he's been um racing in that long, but we got you gotta go back to I'm gonna say it was ninety five or ninety six that he was riding for the Kinkos Kawasaki team. So I mean he's been in in, in involved that long and, and just and just he's got a little bit of a late start and then that's you know, that's why, but um you know, age, age, and age and maturity have paid wonders for him in the last couple of years. And if it weren't for a couple freak accidents, he'd probably been hanging a couple other number one plates on his bike, other than the ones he already has. But um, I guess the other thing he <clears throat> he made a good point too about uh, the superbike effort for Yamaha next year, in that he actually wouldn't mind racing Superstock and Super Sport again next year and defending the number one plates. I would imagine for a couple of reasons. One, I'm sure one's uh, monetary reasons. Two, he makes the point that at his age, does he really want to be involved in developing the superbike? You know, it's they literally are going to start in, you know, what a month or two, I would imagine, and start putting everything together to um, to put the bike together and start testing for for next year. I mean, everyone knows what the package is going to be as far as the uh, the R one for the superbike. Sorry, he dropped something. Um, but does he want to have to be involved in, in developing that if he's not going to have a chance to to go out there and, and run for the win? And if you want to think about it, look at the Kawasaki guys. Um, there was a template of what to do from World Superbike. Um, you have to adapt it to U.S. rules, um, obviously for fuel and throttle bodies and everything else that you have. To, the, the U.S. is different than, than the World Superbike. But, I mean, the basic template was there. And uh, but but still they had the, they had to develop it. And you've seen the you know, they've, they've looked good at times and they haven't looked good at times. And, and from hacking's perspective, does he want to run around in 10th position or 7th position when he could be running around, you know, in front and, and from his from his standpoint? You know, I, I guess I can see that, um, you know, he thinks he can run with everyone up there and, and be the best and, and he probably can be. Uh, but what's the point if you're not going to be on a competitive bike? It's You're beating your head against the wall, and you're just going to get irritated and pissed off. <clears throat> Excuse me. Apologize for that today. So uh, odds are that it will be um, DeSalvo and Bostrom next year on the uh, on the Yamaha Superbikes, which is good. I mean, DeSalvo is, what, 22 years old? And uh Ibas is 31 or 32, so he's got a few more years in there. Uh, and and Ibas, I mean... Uh, he pretty much took down the Formula Extreme race, and um, you know left everyone. He left uh, Desalvo, and and um, Josh Hayes to kind of scrap for second, which was cool, uh, and, and it was good that Josh got second there. So very very happy for Josh on that. But uh, Eric's kind of been on fire. All the Yamaha guys been on. Well, uh, Jamie and Eric have been on fire here. Uh, kind of got the mojos back and. And everything. So uh, eBa's next year for uh, for Superbike, and we'll see if he runs anything else. Um, I suppose if he were to win the uh, Form Extreme Championship, they might want him to run that again next year. But who knows? Hard to say. Uh, anyways, let's uh, let's quickly talk talk about the points because we have another race. We have uh, VIR coming up this weekend. So Superbike points. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Matt Maladen made an interesting comment after race two. Whether it was on TV or to somebody else, I, I, heard the, I heard the quote like third-hand, but basically he said that unless something disastrous happens to Ben Spees, um, he figures Ben's got the championship at this point and that he's just going to have to run uh, to nail second, uh, stay close in case something does happen, and then work towards the next year. So it's, it was really strange hearing that come out of Maladdin, but um, there you are. Spees up top, out top in uh, Superbike, five hundred points even. Maladen um, four fifty six, Duhamel three eighty seven, Neil Hodgson three fifty eight, uh, Tommy Hayden three fifty four, Aaron Yates three thirty five, Jake Zemke three twenty five, Jason Pridmore three or excuse me two eighty five, uh, Ben Bostrom two eighty four, and Larry Pegram two sixty, uh, Steve Rapp two fifty one, Jake Holden two twenty seven. Uh, that is your top 12 for Superbike. Oops. I if I move that over, that won't happen too often. Uh, super Sport, again, um, pretty much Hacking's deal to lose at this point. He's got Raj covered by quite a few points at this point. Um, what's what's that total? 59 points at this point. So 256 for Hacking, 197 for Raj, 181 for Danny Eslick, who had another great race. Um, Benetard, 173. Jeff May. Uh, 169. Barney with 162. Blake Young 155. Tony Myring 133. Michael Beck 110. And Opie Kaler 107. Uh, ben Spees 103. In I'm sorry 106 in 11th and Damon Buckmaster in 12th with 103. Here we go. So Super Sport. That's pretty much like I said. Hackings to lose. We go to form Extreme. Let's go to Superstock first. Let's leave the uh, the tightest points battle for last as it pretty much has been all season. Um, Hacking looking good, although certainly not. He's in the driver's seat, but doesn't have this thing clinched. Um, Hacking, 282 in stock. uh, Yates, 255. DeSalvo, 222. Jeff May, 217. uh, Josh, 192. Eboz, 168. Jake Holden, 159. Marty Kregel, 151. Tied with um, Aaron Gobert. And uh, Steve Rapp in tenth with 149, uh, Chris Aldrich in eleventh with 147, and Matt Lin 136 in twelfth. So for the extreme is obviously the tightest points battle as we're down to what three or four points, um, four point difference here, with uh, DeSalvo still still struggling to hold out hold out in front, uh, 254. And then uh, second place is a tie. Well, technically Eric has the has second place by virtue of more wins uh, over Josh, but they both are on two fifty, um, and that's really going to be our championship battle right there in the uh, last three rounds. Uh, Aaron Gobert with two ten and fourth, Ryan Andrews uh, one seventy four and fifth, Tony Myring in sixth with one fifty eight, uh, Blake Young one thirty seven, Opie Kaler, one thirty three, Danny Eslick ninth with uh, one thirty two, and Michael Barnes one twenty nine uh makes him in ten spots so that's the uh, the a m a uh from mid ohio quick uh, quick wrap up of those guys v i r is this weekend and v i r is a great track a beautiful place great people who run that um i guess the only thing is is that i would like to see them run the full course uh it's a very very tight track i mean it's a great track, but it's tight there's one racing line. Um, and I think if they were to run the full course, it would make it, uh, for much better racing, much more passing opportunities. Um, I think the one fear was there's, um, there's a straight where, where the, there's the, um, there's the part where there's the straight where they kick to the right, which kind of separates the South course from the North course. And if they're to keep going straight, you run up and it's a kind of a long straight. You go around the the big Oak tree and then you, you come back for another pretty good straight. And I think they're afraid of um, of the top speed, but I, I don't know. I don't I don't see it. Uh, but I think there would be some great that those two straights and coming you know down that straight would be a good passing opportunity. Coming in around the oak tree and then the drive off the oak tree and then down um, that puts you towards the uh, what is that the, the the pig pen? Yeah, the pig pen. We we'll call it the Alabama roller coaster, but it's the pig pen area. Um, I think it would make for a much better race. Much more passing, much more competitive, just much more interesting. But for whatever reason, they're not running the full track. Um, I guess I should talk to uh, talk to the guys at VIR and see um, why they and the AMA have decided not to do that. Because the if, if you want to see this full uh, full track when um, ALMS runs the track runs at VIR uh, and all the series that run with ALMS, and I think even um, I think the uh, the, the the Daytona prototypes in that series, I think they run VIR as well, and they also run the full full course. So if you want to see what the full course looks like, I would encourage you to uh, to check out that. I don't know if there's any videos floating around, whether on those websites, whether through uh, through BitTorrent or whatever, but uh, check it out. It's I think and just again feedback at uh, RumblestripRadio at Gmail dot com and let me know what you think if you've uh, if you've seen it if you're a fan of the other series and a fan of the other series. Uh, and I've seen that and think that the, the the all the motorcycles would be better on that track. No, drop us a line. Let us know. With that, let's uh, let's hear from a couple of people. I need to suck down about half a gallon of water here. And uh, we'll be back on the other side of them as soon as I find the damn spots. Try that. Or how about try that? No. All right, I'm causing myself problems. Ah! Listen up, everyone. If you ride a sport bike and you're not listening to the Knee Dragon podcast, you're not getting the whole story. The Knee Dragon podcast is motorcycle talk that doesn't suck. We cover all things sport bike related, from superbike and Moto GP racing to the newest street sport bikes, from riding technique to the latest technology. If it affects our sport, it's in the show. So check it out. www.kneedragon.net. Calling all Canadians. Do you ride a bike on the back of a bike or daydream about either one? Do you like to lumber along on a Sunday morning or scrape your pegs in the twisties? Do you like to dodge sand dunes or ford rivers? Well, if you answered yes to any of the above, then why not give a listen to the Twisted Wrist podcast. The Twisted Wrist is the first podcast dedicated to the Canadian rider from a Canadian perspective. So why not toss on your jacket and gloves, lace up your boots, strap on your lid, and plug into the Twisted Wrist? Your ticket to Northern Adventure is at twistedwrist.blogspot.com. The Twisted Wrist, podcasting with a mouthful of bugs. 240 horsepower, 200 miles per hour, two wheels with no roll cage. This is the world of motorcycle road racing, the pinnacle of motorsport. I'm Bob Hayes, host of Motor GP OD, the podcast about motorcycle road racing. Tune in each week as we discuss what's happening in MotoGP, World Superbike, and AMA racing. Race reports, tech talk, opinion, reader email, we have it all. Just go to www.MotoGPOD.com and subscribe. All right, so uh, World Superbikes uh, ran a couple weeks ago at Brands Hatch. And again, it was a couple weeks ago, so no, no need to spend a lot of time on it. Oh, excuse me. I don't know what it is, but got the whatever, got the belches today. Um, yeah, so Brands Hatch, great uh, great race, great track, uh some fantastic racing. Uh Bayliss and Haga just kind of going at it all weekend long. Uh Tozlin getting his nose in there as well. So that was uh it was good to see. And it made it made it pretty interesting. Andrew Pitt was competitive. I mean, just a lot of people else doesn't start to be competitive again. So it was good to see. Um Basically go I mean I did watch it and and the fact that Haga won his first race of the year was good to see. It was good to see Bayless back uh back on track and back in action. That um you know, the last three three races, two you know, round and a half, uh were kinda pushed off and he is uh, he's back in action. So uh your points going into the next round, which I gotta see where the hell the next round is. It's I think oh next round next round's an asin. Assen. Uh, I think at the beginning of September. Yeah, I think it's the first weekend in September. Uh so Bayless still way out in front. Um uh, three oh seven to two hundred thirty for Haga. Tozlin two nineteen, still with a shot at second spot. And then um Courser, uh one ninety three, Barros one sixty six, Andrew Pitt one fifty seven, Pitt's been a little bit of resurgent here in the last few uh few rounds. So uh Kagiama expected I just expected a lot more from Kagiyama over the weekend. He ended up fifth in race one. Um the 126. Lonzi, who uh, who'll be looking for a job next year, um down in eighth, eighth spot in points with ninety-six, uh tied with Walker, and then uh, Fabrizio uh, will be is in tenth with eighty-seven points. Um top five uh, for the, for race one was uh, Bayless, Tozlin, Haga, Pitt, Kagayama, and then uh, Haga, Bayless, Pitt, Laconi, and Tozlin in uh, in race two. So if you uh we talked a little bit about this before the brand's hatch race that would you know i was speculating uh didn't have anything concrete and and still to this point I haven't seen any official release that uh, that we were looking at some Keeley's last races and uh based on the fact that he was doing um doing the lap around brand's hatch which he hadn't done anywhere else um after the race and was in tears that yeah he literally was waving goodbyes that was the last time they're going to see him on a bike Um, kind of a tradition for Keeley he stripped down through his his helmet his gloves his boots and his leathers he was down to his skivvies um, you know into the crowd and did kind of did the 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 farewell lap so that was that was very cool and it was actually was kind of cool to see how emotional he was Um, so we are seeing the the last laps of of Frankie Keeley and really too bad because anyone who's ever had a chance to talk to Frankie he'll tell you he's you know just a, just a great person, very uh, happy-go-lucky guy for the most part. Very serious, but very happy-go-lucky. And um, kind of the end of an era. But, you know, the guy's 41, 42. He's come back from a pretty serious injury. And I think he understands that he's not quite as fast as he once was and uh, that it's just not worth it anymore. So uh, I, would, I would guess I would, I would expect him to be uh, maybe take a year off and then you'll see him either being a team manager or having his own team in another year or two uh in World Superbike. That would be that's a guess, but I would say that that's a pretty I uh, you'd you, you get good money on. I think you could win some good money on that uh, on that bet. So uh so that'll be the end of unfortunately the end of Frankie Frankie, but we still do have a few more rounds um to enjoy him in his sort of his you know farewell tour. So let's see what else do we have here in the notes. Do, do 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 We talked about that, talked about that. Now, okay. We're moving along pretty good here today. So I'm just curious where we are time-wise. Hey, we actually may end up a little early. Um, so MotoGP is uh, back in action this week at uh, Berno. In fact, they're getting ready to go. Um, bikes are uh, all unpacked, ready to go. In fact, uh, rumor has it that they were testing some of the 800cc bikes on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, and if they weren't doing it Monday and Tuesday, it would really guess that they're going to be doing it on Monday after the race, not only the eight hundred bikes but then doing some development work um, on monday afterwards it's berno is a is a typical uh is a track that gets a lot of testing done on it just because it has a lot of variation to it. it's a very open and flowing track and um, very good track so which reminds me I got to get my tipping in for this week over at ride on two and um yeah i got to do that i haven't been doing so good though I, I got to play third spot or tied for second or I was tied for third. I can't remember. Then I just kind of got in the crapper since then. So, uh, we talked about the Hoff being, uh being back in, uh, on the factory Ducati as, uh, as Jeebers is out. Um, so the question is, before we talk about the race a little bit is who's going to get Jeebers seat next week or next week, next week, next year. Uh, pretty much a foregone conclusion that Sede is not going to have the Ducati ride next year. Um, and, um, uh, Kerplotkin has got a a pretty good um, uh post on it. Now I have to put a I'll put a link to his blog on it um about uh about all this stuff about Ducati and some of the rumors going along and he and he brought in a couple other names I wasn't thinking about. And it was funny because I had put I had, I'd heard a rumbling um about a, a week ago. I guess it was about a week ago now that the uh that the dark horse for that other uh, Ducati seat uh was one Nick Hayden for the for a couple of reasons um one if you look, li- well okay let's let 's backtrack a little bit because because there's some there's some thought behind i mean why would Ducati want Nicky Hayden well there's a lot of reasons one he's one of the best riders in the moto g p paddock uh two he's very personable uh three he has some style to him he's I'm not gonna say he's fashion conscious, but he's got enough of a style that he fits in with the Italians and he would he's very marketable basically. And marketability is a huge, huge key for Ducati. Because they do not have like as as we said on the uh on the MPG show, uh Ducati has you know, you can lop a zero off the budget of what Ducati has versus what say Yamaha and Honda have, okay? So they have to be much more effective with their racing dollars. So if they can, um, whatever they can do to make themselves more marketable and more attractive to sponsors, they have to do um, to get that extra money. Because they personally, they don't have the the company doesn't have the budget to do it to to run the series. Um, they'd be bankrupt in a year if not, if if not sooner. Um, they literally need Philip Morris and Marlboro money and Bridgestone and and everyone else involved to to keep that thing going. So if you could bring in Nikki Hayden. Who's marketable on his own, and then on top of that, you he brings with him a number one plate. I'm just a, we're just going to go with the assumption that um, unless something crazy happens, he'll he's consistent enough that he should win the number one plate. Okay, it's his to lose at this point. We're just go. we you need to make that assumption for for this. So what would Ducati and Philip Morris pay to have that come over to the number one plate? Because Ducati and Honda don't always necessarily get along real well. And, um, Honda treats its riders, um, is just, okay. It's once again, remember for Honda, it's not the rider, it's the bike. Honda doesn't necessarily care about the rider's championship. They care about the manufacturer's championship and the team championship. So first and foremost important is that Honda wins the manufacturer's championship. One a is that the factory Honda team wins the championship and then number nine on the list of things that are important to Honda is who has the man who is the riders champion and I think Nick's getting a little bit tired of that and with the fact that Honda is without without flat out saying it they said in so many words um, Danny Pedrosa is our boy okay so why would you want to sit there and help be the number one rider and develop a bike that's not for you. So, these are some reasons why I almost expect not to see Nikki on a Honda next year. Um, I think the there's going to be an open seat at Yamaha because uh, Colin is going to go back to World Superbike unless something crazy happens. Unless he wins, you know, wins out, and then Yamaha says, "Well, you know, <laughs> maybe not." But um, all indications are that Han- that um, Colin will be back in World Superbike next year. And I would say you might see him either on a factory Honda or the or a third ten or a different Tenkata Honda with, with direct factory support. This just the just the, the buzz that I'm hearing. So then you have two very important open seats. You have the in a sense the number two seats at Yamaha and the number two seat at Ducati. And the two people that are going to fill those seats, in my mind, are going to be Casey Stoner and Nikki Hayden. And th- and I was thinking this long before – this was – you know I had this – this is written down in my notes here. This is before uh, block and blogged this yesterday, I think, Either yesterday or today. Um, but it's sort of – it was nice that it's sort of – it's one of those things of uh, uh, the true intelligence of a man is by how much he uh, – by how much he agrees with you. So obviously um, – Plotkin's a pretty uh, pretty intelligent person over there. Anyway, so those are the two seats, and those are your two main contestants for those seats because uh, both those people want high-profile riders who have the ability to win, who are very marketable, and who they can build for the future. I mean, Casey Stoner, he's, what, 20, 21 years old. He's got 10 years in front of him. Um, you know, If he can learn to be as aggressive as he is and not crash, you know, be a little less like Kevin Schwantz, uh, who I memory serves is, is like, you know, racing idol. Um, yeah, that boy's got some stuff in front of him. Uh, also makes sense for a stoner on a Yamaha in the sense that Yamaha can look at against the, and I'm stealing Kerplock and Thunder here. Okay. So, um, and, and I'm paraphrasing what he says, but he made a great point here. Um, Rossi, if he, if he races after next season, you know, that'll be a surprise. He, you know, he'll go to win the title and go out on top. Probably. After 2007, but then you have Stoner um, as sort of the rival for Petrosa. You have Honda, Yamaha. They're nat- you know natural rivalry for the riders. Uh, they've been rivals for a long time coming up, even though they ne- haven't necessarily always raced in the same series. Um, they're sort of, they're they're rivals. They were both brought up um, uh, by Alberto Puig. One was you know the favorite son, and one was sort of the redheaded stepchild. And you know the redheaded stepchild has a uh, has an attitude. Speaking of Redhead, it's well, not stepchild, but uh, uh Curtis Roberts' uh, tough weekend. Um, at Brands Hatch, we'll look for better things from a mass. And so, um, I have to drop Curtis a note and see if he's willing to talk about that. Who knows? Um, anyways, so that makes a natural that that's um, that would make sense. Ducati, well, it's just a high profile ride, it should be a pretty good bike. Uh, they actually have, you know. There's, there's been some speculation that Ducati may not be a good bike for next year, but I'm going to say that Ducati might be the bike to have next year for a couple of reasons. One, if you remember when they came out the first year with their MotoGP bike, they were very competitive immediately because um, they had done some tests. They'd, they'd spent a year doing some testing. Well, it's a well-known fact that Ducati has been testing their 800cc bike for a while now. Um, Probably as long as uh, Honda and Yamaha have been testing theirs. Now, everyone's kept it. None of the factory riders have really gotten on those bikes yet. It's all been done by the uh, by the development riders. But uh, I got to believe that Ducati is going to be a pretty solid bike next year. So that would also be, you know, Stoner wants frontline machinery. Um, he wants to be paid. Who doesn't? And he wants the support, and I think as much as he and Checkenello get along um he he knows, and probably Checanello knows that they're always going to be third or fourth string when it comes to Honda, and the way that Honda doles out point parts and stuff like that, I think stoners be smart to get the hell out of there, especially given the whole you know um, parts of the machine uh, to deal with there so anyways that's that's going be sorted out um you know, there's a couple 250 riders who will probably be coming up next year to fill in some other spots as well. So it'd be interesting to see, um, another interesting second spot might be, uh, on a Roberts bike. If Honda is willing to give, uh, Roberts the motors for, for two bikes. And I don't know that that's even been figured. I think he, I think they pretty much said they'll support him with a one 800 CC motor. I'm not sure if they've come around to say that they'll do it with two. Um, but if he could get it, uh, that'd be cool. Uh, some other names are thrown in here. There's, um, uh, Biagi has been thrown in to the mix as someone um, looking for it to get back in MotoGP, maybe on a satellite um, on a satellite team. Now, uh, the if you want a, a satellite team to put Biagi on, well, the Dantin team makes sense. Um, the question is, is who do you lose? Um, I think uh, Hoffman is getting. Or Dantin might be getting some money and I I this is pure speculation. I do not know. So this is pure speculation. I think that Dantin is getting some money um from Dorna to have Hoffman on that bike because Germany is a pretty big and important T V market for them. Um and um who's the second rider? Uh um the second, uh, okay, I'm drawing a complete blank, which is brilliant on my part. Anyways, uh, Cardoso, thank you, Jose Luis Cardoso. Anyways, he has a chance to stay on the bike because apparently he he's writing a pretty big check to uh, to be on the bike. I don't know whether he's bring if he's got personal sponsors or just personal money, but apparently he's scratching a check to do it. And uh, Dantin is Danteen is a pretty small operation. I mean, they get nice operation, but it's a pretty pretty small operation. and They have to be pretty efficient. So if someone wants to come in and ride, they got to bring some decent money. Now, Biagi makes sense in two reasons. Uh, one, one of the primary sponsors for Dan team is Pramac, which is a Italian company. Um, if memory serves, they make generators. They basically license, they basically license Honda design and make generators in Italy under their, under their own name of Pramac. Um, and Biaggi being Italian, that makes that's a nice fit there. Also, Biaggi is in good with uh, with uh, the Philip Morris people and Camel, so right, yeah, Camel is Philip Morris, right? Exactly, so that he could bring some of that money in as well. So, depending on who's going to offer up more money, you know, Biaggi has a chance to slide in uh, for that second spot. Now that now you're saying, well, Danteen's not competitive. I guarantee you that Danteen will be very much more competitive next year on this reason. And it has to do with tires. And we'll just leave it at that. I think we've, uh, we've beat that to death. In fact, the tires and the Danteen team have almost, you know. Yeah, that's right. It's an old bit. Hit the siren. Anyways. I wish there were some other things i could tell you about that that have been told to me in confidence but um i'm sort to confidence on it so i can't say so that uh you know the start of the silly season really begins now and um whew, all right so i'm going to think of this on the fly who are we picking for berno that's tough i'm actually i'm, I'm going to have to sit and bust my head on this one i'd say okay it's going to be your podium is going to be Melandri to win, Hayden for second, and Pedroza for third. Subject to change, but it's you know this is it's Thursday, it's one thirty in the afternoon here in Little Baghdad, and uh, at least at this point that's who I'm going with. I got to scratch my head a little more on that one, and in fact I probably won't. Even, I really need to see what people are going to be running after uh, first practice and maybe even second practice. Before I put in my tipping, I don't think I'm tipping early this week. Um, And you got to think a couple dark horses. I mean, this isn't Rossi's favorite track, um, but I think he's got something to prove after Laguna. Uh, Vermeulen is on a roll. Um, Hopkins always goes well on this track, so you can't, you know, you got to think the Suzuki's might be up there as well. So this could be a, a, you know, five, six bike battle up front. Which would be good. I'd, I'd love to see it, so. Anyways, uh, what else do we have to talk about? That's, um, I think that's pretty much going to wrap up the show here today. Looking through everything else. I would expect Berno to be a pretty good round. Uh, usually is. Great track. Okay, I'm repeating myself, so let's just cut that out. And uh, just try to see if I can stretch this out to an hour. But uh, well, that's fine. I guess we come up short. I'm actually surprised. I expect, to, I expect to go much longer. But I try to keep everything compact compacted, and I guess... Um, you know, with the uh, with the AMA and the World Superbike Races a couple weeks, you know, having been a couple weeks back, there's really no sense in rehashing that because it's pretty much already been done at this point. So no no sense in me re- re-going through that. But uh, next week, I promise, we'll have a show for you. Uh, probably Monday or Tuesday next week, we'll kick a show to you. We'll have the VIR to talk about. And, um, and of course, uh, MotoGP with, uh, with all that going on. And I do want to give props uh, to everyone over at the Motorcycle Podcast Group. And Sorry, I'm just trying to flip through because I actually have everyone written down, and I didn't want to have to do it again, so I'm being lazy. So, uh, so everyone over the Motorcycle Podcast Group. Alan from uh, WSBK Pod, who's still uh, hiking out in Tibet. Uh, Ray from the Knee Dragon Podcast. Paul Nielsen from Moto World. Uh, Nate Prubert, Dr. Dave, over at the Motocast, which I still got to listen to uh, Dr. Dave's latest Raw. Uh, Greg at the V-Twin Journal. Tim at the Twisted Wrist. Uh, Bob Hayes off on assignment from the by the government. And, of course, Jim Rayes uh, from uh, Moto GPOD And, of course, myself, the Duke from Rumble Strip Radio here. All members of the Motorcycle Podcast Group. So, once again, um, with that, we're going to get the hell out of here. It's just so I don't uh, click the wrong button. Blast your ears out here. So, again, feedback, you can send it to uh, rumblestripperadio at gmail.com. You can leave it over on the website, which is www.rumblestripperradio.com. Know anyone who wants to buy a TZR250 and help me buy an Aprilia? Send it on up. So until next week, have fun, be good, keep it on two wheels. strip radio is a production of raul duke media llc and is protected under a creative commons license some rights are reserved